नमस्ते वेलकम टू एंड्रॉइड पॉडकास्ट आई एम अनुपम सिंह एंड आई एम विवेक सिंह वी टॉक अबाउट व्हाट्स न्यू इन एंड्रॉइड बेस्ट प्रैक्टिसेस एंड हाउ टू बी अ बेटर एंड्रॉइड डेवलपर द वर्ल्ड इज इज फॉलोइंग वेब इन अ वे इट इज आल्सो ट्रू फॉर द मोबाइल वर्ल्ड बी इट एंड्रॉइड थ्रू द जेटपैक कंपोज और बी आईओएस थ्रू स्विफ्ट यू आर एवरीबॉडी इज ट्राइंग टू गेट द डिक्लेरेटिव प्रोग्रामिंग पैराडाइम राइट we also yes we understand web is way ahead compared to these no voice mobile platforms and we are in a way chasing web but it is a good thing uh, and today we have rivu chakravarty with us uh, he is an android gd specialist specializing in kotlin he is a published author uh, you can buy his book from the kotlin website itself and he is also a very humble and a regular speaker at all these conferences around the world uh, and he will be walking us through what is this jetpack compose in a nutshell and he will just be demystifying for us uh, what declarative programming in android is so rivu welcome uh, to the podcast it's good to have you thanks anubam uh it's i am really glad to be part of this podcast uh, so rivu what is jetpack compose in a nutshell everybody is talking about it wherever i go i see articles i do have some idea if i i will not lie there Uh, so can you introduce what is jetpack compose to our listeners yeah so basically jetpack compose is a new way to write the ui so basically earlier we used to use xml right uh, now how it generally works it uh, it was actually inheritance right now if you are uh, familiar with functional programming then you have probably heard of the term composition over inheritance right uh, so jetpack compose is based on the same fact so instead of uh, going for uh, going with inheritance custom views and uh, and all those things here we write kotlin functions a simple kotlin function so uh, when compose first launched uh, they used to call it a pure function uh, from a developer point of view who is writing the compose it looks like a pure function but it actually is not yeah there are many effects and all those things are in place so it's not really a pure function but it's still a simple function with the annotation and uh, that actually renders a view or not a view a ui right and uh, when you want to reuse a ui say you have created a button right and when you want to re- uh, reuse it or uh, have some have something on top of it right what we do with inheritance we will call that function instead of uh, inheritance we'll just call that function from another function and we'll pass on some arguments onto it so uh, that's how we do it in compose basically and and how is it different than a traditional custom view then because uh, a traditional custom view also encompasses a logic of 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 having a ui concept stitched together yeah. in, in a nutshell in a, in a short class and taking care of everything then and there only so how is it a composable different from a custom view see see uh, in a in a custom view there are multiple constructors right uh, you are actually implementing a uh, extending a class and then you will uh, take care of lot of things and lot of things actually stay hidden uh inside the class uh for example if if you are uh, working with custom view a lot and if you have uh, used kotlin um for most part of it you know that uh, you cannot use uh, constructor over uh, writing in custom views right 
because uh, in some constructor uh, there is something different that you need to call specifically so uh, you need to implement all the constructor when you are you are uh, in extending a uh, class for custom view uh, that's not true for all the views but for some views uh, so in, in compose it's basically simply uh, you just have a function instead of a whole class and inheriting that when you are extending a particular view you are actually stuck to it for example if you if you are extending linear layout right and you still uh, you need some function uh, some function of a button uh, say you are uh, trying to build a composite button or something and you actually need a linear layout functionality so you are extending linear layout but you need some function of button you don't have it you will have to implement those functions by yourself again or rather copy it from the button class right uh, it, it's not the case in uh, composition or compose uh, in jetpack compose you just call two separate functions uh, within uh, one another or separately it's depending on your requirement but yeah you just call two, two separate functions you compose them and you are done right. cool Ribu. so i understand that uh, instead of wrapping all these functionalities inside a class we have now wrapped them in individual functions which you can sort of combine and mix and match according to your requirement right yeah so uh, does compose use existing views under the hood or have they written all this code themselves oh no the, so they are uh, like they written all the code themselves and they draw on the campus directly a uh, canvas sorry no. <laughs> they draw on canvas directly okay, okay. so uh, so a, like a text component in compose would not be using text view under the hood it would directly be writing it's on canvas Okay, got it. Okay, and and uh, what is a normal life cycle per se uh, looks like for a composable unit? Uh, so basically, uh, you you can like with composable, you can pass on uh, your live data directly to compose, and it will work uh, just like in data binding, right? And uh, it will respect activity life cycle, and according to that, it will uh, impact compose. And uh, compose actually takes like uh, whenever you how to how do we inflate compose right how do we show compose uh, inflate is not actually a proper word inflate we used to work uh, like we use the word for uh, XML but yeah how do we actually show the uh, our composable layout in uh, UI uh, we call set content in an activity now when we call that it inherently passes the context to the compose uh, so. Yeah, it actually uh, respects activity or fragments lifestyle. So, Ryu, uh, uh, like in a normal in a normal custom view, right? Uh, or in not custom view for any view, uh, there are like three stages it passes, right? First, uh, you measure the layout, right? And yeah. uh, you pu you position the layout, and then you draw the layout. So, is that the same uh, order of things that are happening with compose also, uh, or is compose doing something different? Uh, it's actually as a DSL, right? So uh, it you, you don't have uh, the uh, measure part and all those. Yeah, they are uh, separated out from the compose, uh, like from the function. Uh, you can still do that uh, in some different way, actually. But uh, they are actually separated out from uh, when you are actually creating a UI. You can still get the measurement 
but uh, it's not a phase per se okay and i can create my own uh, say like uh, while creating a custom view i would you know uh, override my on draw functions and uh, create something of my can, own yeah actually drawing on canvas is far easier in compose so uh, in compose there are uh, particular dsl which actually lets you draw on canvas and it's far more uh, readable and uh, developer friendly got it but when you are using a particular say when you are using a text right uh, you don't get access to the on draw makes sense so if i am using a an existing component i won't have access to those functions but if i creating something of my own uh, like the access to on draw is much more developer friendly and readable compared to exactly. in a custom view i think a lot of people out there find custom views uh, quite challenging to even you know think of exactly. and write yeah exactly so it is far more easier in compose and what about backward compatibility can i mix and match our custom our <laughs> custom views and composables uh, interoperable per se yeah uh, so actually uh, when they started on compose i think they took the inspiration from kotlin right so when first kotlin came in uh, we it felt much easier for us to move to kotlin because it was 100% interoperable with java right we could mix and match uh, so it, it's the same case with compose but it's uh, it doesn't do that automatically you have to use some annotation in compose to create a custom view from a compose layout and from you from compose layout you can actually use your custom views uh you just uh, call them and you can use them it's far more easier the other way around uh, when you are creating custom view for compose you just uh, need a an annotation that's all so you can actually mix and match uh to create the layout uh that's neat and what about state of a data let's say uh even in custom views we have a data in built and we can store it and uh, do the processing over it uh, how, how do we manage state of an information for a ui uh, construct uh, which is composable in this case uh, in jetpack compose mm -hmm. uh, so basically uh, when you pass on the data right uh, here in jetpack compose you actually uh, have state right you have something called state that is basically uh, whenever you change the data the ui will be updated so whenever you create a state and pass on to a particular compose and if you uh, update that state basically whenever you change the data state is updated and uh, that will actually uh, make the compose to redraw itself or re render itself uh, so state of data is managed by u on d yeah so i think uh, a problem with uh, custom views or views how they are implemented in android in general was they like to store their own data right yeah. and that was a that causes all sorts of problems like if you are using views like you know uh, a checkbox or radio box they like to store their own variables as to what their state is and then instead yeah. of you know like using your data and then just writing it to the ui and uh, if it changes not the case in compose it's not the case in compose uh, so you are responsible for storing the data and maintaining the state uh, even even with edit text right 
so um, edit text is the biggest uh, thing right uh, when whenever you are uh, working with edit text in say some list or something uh, it's the biggest uh, thing to maintain it, right. it is the toughest to maintain right so in compose you actually uh, maintain a state you create a state variable and uh, that will contain a text and uh, you pass that uh, to uh, it, uh, basically um, edit text. I'm uh, in Compose, it's not called edit text, but I'm saying edit text just for uh, easier reference, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, in Compose, it's called text field actually. So yeah, you uh, uh, pass, pass that state variable to the text field. And uh, whenever actually it uh, user input something on the text field, that state variable is updated. Now you have passed that uh, state variable, right? So you have control over it. Yeah. So if you want to update something, if you want to add some filter on it, it's fairly easy. You just uh, control the state variable, you update it, and uh, it will automatically update in the uh, text field or edit text. And uh, whenever user adds something, you will know about it because that uh, variable will be changed. Value of the variable will change. It's more like an observer button, that state. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so you can actually observe that state, uh, but compose does it internally just like passing a variable. So you don't have to observe in the compose. Makes ah, sense. So the question I had in mind earlier was if, if we are maintaining the state per se and which is the values of all these uh, where, which all these composable will consume. And I, and I, and I also know there is there can be a, a nesting of various composable one inside other. Uh, yeah. And you also mentioned uh, that uh, key after on on every state value change the composable is redrawn correct um, so if imagine was, there are a lot of nesting and there is a small delta change in the in the in the in the bottom most leaf node of the composable uh, will the entire ui change or will be redrawn to the top or only that delta and how is the rendering looks so actually, like in the jetpack actually for us it is nesting right mm -hmm. we are right it nested but uh, it isn't that case uh, when compass is drawn. So uh, it, it actually uses a table structure. So in uh, uh, my earlier talks in Jetpack Compass, like when Compass was uh, in uh, pre-alpha stage, I gave a few talks on that. And I actually explained how it is uh, actually maintained in the memory. So in memory, it's not actually a nested tree structure. It's actually a kind of a table structure. I forgot the name of the table. So it's uh, something like I, I uh, actually forgot. Uh, so actually that table structure is used in some of the waves uh, editable text field. Uh, so how, how it does is that whenever you update a state, uh, that actually that set update actually uh, probably you are uh, observing that state in some of the nested object, right? So it will update that particular composable only. So yeah, yeah, that particular composable will be redrawn from the scratch, but not the whole tree. Okay, okay. And uh, yeah, uh, so like uh, in your traditional views, there are two types of ways that you can uh, redraw them, right? One is you trigger <coughs> the whole uh, measurement and draw cycle. Or you can just trigger the draw cycle on its own mm -hmm. with the request layout and invalidate methods. And obviously that is to preserve CPU cycles. If you don't need 
uh, remeasurement you don't want to remeasure the whole thing again so yeah. in compose do i tell okay if if this state changes i want to remeasure and redraw or yeah. uh, i just or if this state changes i just want to redraw and, or how is it yeah so uh, that is actually uh, pretty simple to do uh, so basically the measurement part of it is taken care by modifiers so uh, how how do we do in excel we pass on the uh, width we pass on the height right uh, even if we are using custom view we pass on some width or height and uh, in compose uh, we pass on modifiers we pass on width and height uh, required width and height as modifier so uh, if modifier was uh, dependent on some state right if modifier uh, modifier has a particular function for width height and measurement part basically uh, for everything uh, for everything in measurement but they have uh, different functions so if you are using some of those function and if that function is dependent on a state then uh, it will uh, do the, um, the measurement part again while you drawing but if you are uh, if uh, the modifier is not dependent on state or if the width and height is not dependent on state uh, the compose will just uh, do the redraw part not the measurement part okay uh, and, and what about the, the complex part of ui so we understand jetpack compose and the compose will make the smaller interaction or the smaller unit of let's say you are concept very easy what about a little bit something complex like how do i go about writing animations and let's say creating these transition between various uh, uis and in this case composables yeah so so it's again fairly easy so uh, as i said you pass everything as a parameter you can and everything is state you, you can control as a state so it's actually fairly easy in compose so compose has animation transition api and moreover uh, it's easier to write your own as well for example uh, if you want a particular view to expand right uh, a simple example you want to a particular view to expand as it uh, through some time so you can actually write down a timer or a countdown and based on that you can update the state and uh, based on that that view will expand and it's similar for alpha you want the fade away effect it's easier uh, you just pass on the alpha parameter as a modifier and uh, create the state and as the countdown proceeds you reduce the alpha and uh, that way uh, it actually fades out or fades in uh, now uh, there is also animation api for example when you want to do some complex animations and they are also really easy to use uh, they have uh, callbacks based on the which animation api you are using they have callbacks and based on that you can easily do anything you want basically and uh, the problem with uh, uh, current animation apis is that it's it's uh, tough to maintain the state like for example when when animation is at uh, say uh, some 45 percent uh, done you want to do some particular action or you want to trigger another animation on another view uh, it's doable in custom uh, in current way but it's a little bit of uh, complex 
you need to do uh, know of certain things about the animation APIs while it's fairly or really easy with Compose. Uh, and, and I have a, and I have a follow up question here. Uh, in Android rendering, uh, Android is is a little bit advanced in terms of let's say taking care of the the delta, which is in this case is the change of alpha value uh, in terms of rendering. It takes care of it especially uh, in a different layer, so that even the computation spent on even is even less uh, com in comparison to what we do in when we invalidate a UI. Uh, is there a some sub optimization in Compose? Also, let's say when I am trying yeah. just to change a value, uh, it is not, it doesn't even redraw the same uh, small composable. It just changes its value and it keeps that information as a overall decoration layer and just changes that. Is something like that also happening in Compose? Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure for Alpha they have done it, but they have like uh, when, when I uh, earlier talked to the team, uh, sometimes back they had said that they have plans for it. So I'm not sure they have implemented it yet or not, uh, but uh, there are uh, there were plans, uh, and I'm talking about around uh, four to six months back. So uh, in in a Slack channel, probably Kotlin Lang uh, Kotlin Lang Slack channel has a particular compose uh, group. So uh, they are probably there. We talked about it. Someone asked this question, and we talked about it, and the team said, "Yeah, we have." plans about this. It was four to six months back and I haven't checked it yet, honestly, but I think they have implemented it. Fair enough. Eventually they will in case they haven't because it only makes sense to have it. Uh, why yeah. would you let's say draw redraw even a small composable if you can just change this attribute value. Um, uh, then second up is uh, yes, it's, it's very easy to create this com composable in a small atomic unit. What about writing test cases for these UIs? And uh, let's say when you have created Huh. So can you it's walk us through how, how, how should a developer go about testing in uh, a flow which is written purely in Jetpack Compose, using Jetpack Compose? So, so when in currently, when we write Espresso test cases, right? Uh, or basically for UI, we mostly use Espresso, right? Uh, unless you are using RoboElectric, uh, we, uh, most of the Android developers are using Espresso. Now, the problem with Espresso, which I didn't like, is that when you are actually writing UI test cases, you are not only writing UI test cases, you are actually writing integration test cases, right? So if you are use, uh, smart enough to use mock web server, then uh, you are not actually testing server backend as well, but uh, otherwise you are also testing backend. And uh, when our test case actually depends on what the view model actually passes as data, uh, what the repository is doing, and everything is integrated as one. Now it's good to have integration test cases, but it's not always the, uh, always our intention, right? We just want to taste that, hey, if we update the state from this to that, UI should be uh, updated like that, right? It's easier with Compose. You can just, uh, as I said, uh, you can pass the live data as a parameter to the Compose. Uh, I'm using live data as an example. You can also pass Rx. You can also pass uh, something as, uh, for example, state flow. Uh, all these are supported in Compose. So uh, as you can pass them in Compose, you can actually uh, mimic the state update, uh, just like your unit test. You can create a mock live data and you can post your own updates that you want to test and you can write test cases that it is shown. 
but yeah, again, uh, device is needed or uh, emulator is needed in this case since you are actually testing the UI. So uh, yeah, it's fairly easy and uh, it's just like uh, it, it looks more like unit test cases rather than current espresso test cases. So uh, like coming from, you know, uh, a test case environment where I'm using espresso to write, uh, you know, like you mentioned, uh, we have written certain integration tests. I don't think I've ever written a UI test, which is similar to unit test for a view unto itself, because that was never a requirement. We did have like a mock server running. Uh, we actually used OK Replay which is a library from Airbnb to, uh, you know, sort of record our network calls and then replay them and uh, test a UI based on them. Mm -hmm. uh, so coming back to compose, will my experience of working on Espresso come in, help, uh, come and help me in writing uh, these test cases for uh, compose, or is it something that I've got to have to learn some, from scratch? Uh, Espresso experience will come in handy. Uh, say, uh, what we write in UI test cases, right? This text is present in the view, for example, or uh, in, in a list we check if our list is drawn, uh, say, uh, that particular item is visible, right? So this kind of uh, experience is uh, needed for Compose because uh, it looks like unit test cases, but it's still, you need to check that this view is present or this view is hidden or that particular text is present. So uh, in that way, special experience will come handy. Uh, but uh, uh, mock web server or uh, fake web server is not needed since it's not an integrated test. You can do integrated test, but uh, when you are testing the UI, it's more like unit test cases. So all the mocking of uh, server and nothing is needed. You just mock the live data or RX or state flow, whatever you have. Uh, or, uh, basically, you mock the state and you can write the test cases. Basically, both experience from writing current JUnit test cases as well as uh, writing Espresso test cases will come handy when you are working with Compose. Okay, makes sense. And and you don't have to learn um, uh, like a lot of things uh, for uh, writing test cases in Compose. Uh, it's fairly easy. Like as I said, uh, if you are writing JUnit test cases and if you are writing Espresso test cases currently it's easy like you, you can uh, learn it while doing it it's fairly easy got it and you like uh, I say i am a newbie i'm just you know starting up with compose what are you know the best practices that you would suggest me to follow and what are the pitfalls that you would suggest me to avoid yeah uh, so be cautious about state so state as I, um, uh, during the all uh, previous minutes, we talked about state and it's really, it really sounds really a uh, great tool, but it can actually render an infinite loop. And I'm telling you this because I fall for it. Uh, while uh, writing my own demo on Compose, I, so I'm writing Compose demos uh, since it was in pre-alpha and uh, since it, came to alpha, I have actually one in GitHub hosted. So uh, with each update, I am updating that. And uh, during one update, when I tried to update that, I actually fall for it. Uh, it actually rendered an infinite loop uh, in uh, Compose. So uh, in infinite Can loop- Can you elaborate? 
can you elaborate a bit more that how how you fell into that infinite loop trap how exactly it yeah. happens yeah so uh, it was uh, so uh, what i was trying to do was that so when our state updated our view is updated but uh, i was what i was doing is that if the view is updated i was again uh, triggering a state update uh, from that particular uh, function and uh, that actually uh, resulted in uh, like I, I didn't notice it properly and it actually resulted in an infinite loop kind of thing and uh, so I, I actually wasn't able to notice it myself i took help from uh, some of uh, the, the community and they actually uh, noticed that hey uh, if you notice that the logs it's rendering itself again and again and again so that's when we notice hey, uh, there's infinite loop and in this section so be aware of this uh, whenever you are working with state uh, check that the state is not updated uh, like there is a not nesting of state updation so if a view uh, depends on a state try to not update the state from inside the view uh, so it will actually trigger uh, infinite loop and apart from that uh, follow like uh don't uh so uh try to use uh or reuse the uh, system once and uh for least don't go for for loops so uh, when compass first came out uh there was no support for list so many people actually uh use for loops even me uh they, because there's there was no other option use for loops to actually create the list but now they have really great support for list uh, they have grid support, they have list support, and they're still working on it, improving it. And uh, the current list API uh, looks uh, lazy column, it's called. The lazy column is really great to work with. So use them instead of using for loop. And uh, yeah, uh, these are the current uh, sessions that I have. Got it. And also, like, uh... Is there a drop-in replacement for recycler views? Like, I don't think we have covered that part in Compose. Yeah, there uh, is, is it. There is Sorry. lazy column. There is okay. lazy column. There is lazy vertical grid, and there is lazy row for uh, like horizontal uh, recycler view. There is lazy row for vertical one. There is lazy column, and for grid, there is lazy vertical grid. Okay, and these provide the same, you know, goodies that Recycler View provides us with. Yeah, and even more, uh, like it, it's really, it really becomes a joy to work with uh, these APIs. Uh, so basically, you just call them, and uh, there is a function. That, uh, there's a next uh, as a parameter you provide another composable that will be used for the items, uh, and uh, they, in the modifier, you can pass on the divider or uh, uh, like that. And uh, there is actually a state that you can observe to for the scroll. If you want a scroll listener, it's fairly easy. So it actually provides you a state that you can pass on as a parameter, uh, which actually will listen to the scroll. Uh, so yeah, uh, if you want to do pagination, it's also fairly easy. And uh, yeah, like uh, these replacement of recycler views are really awesome, I would say. Cool. And, and apart from finding these resources on 
let's say medium uh, is there a one stop solution for anybody who wants to learn it from scratch if there is which one would you recommend yeah so actually uh, compose has a newsletter uh, not by the jetpack compose team um, but mark murphy uh, if you uh, know him and uh, some other people actually created a compose newsletter uh, so you can subscribe to that and lot of people actually uh, post a lot of new things in compose especially with uh, current android dev challenges going on lot of people are actually uh, posting lot of things and uh, in the compose newsletter they have uh, they do the refinery and then post it uh, so you can actually subscribe to the compose newsletter it's really awesome and apart from that you can go to docs so compose docs are, i would say it's better uh, than uh, previous android view docs so you can actually refer to them there is also some uh, like uh, I forgot the name, but uh, uh, code lab. Yeah, sorry. There is also some code labs that you can uh, use to start learning it. And uh, there are a lot of lot of uh, repos in GitHub. Lot of people have made demo. Okay, so th th that th that targets somebody who is new. What about somebody who is sort of seasoned, and he or she wants to migrate? Uh, to Jetpack Compose uh, in an enterprise app. Uh, what is the strategy that you would suggest? That there is an app which is out there uh, yeah. serving millions of people, and migration is never easy. You already understand that firsthand. Mm -hmm. uh, so, what would should be a migration strategy for an enterprise app? So, on Jetpack so before, before starting to migration to Kotlin, you should look at your uh, architecture uh, that you are following. So, uh, for Compose, uh, it's always easier to migrate if you are following a state-based architecture. Right. So if you have a state uh, and uh, in, in the activity or in the fragment, basically on the view, if you observe to that state and mimic everything that state says, then it's easier uh, to migrate to uh, Compose. So I would say do that first before uh, investing on uh, Compose, invest on your architecture to migrate to a state-based uh, architecture if you are not already on it. If you are on a state-based architecture, check uh, that there is a central one state that actually uh, manages uh, everything in your view because a multiple state might become a cumbersome in Compose, a bit cumbersome in Compose. Uh, and apart from that, uh, also like while uh, trying to uh, implement Compose, uh, try to do it skin by skin, like one skin you completely migrate to Compose. And uh, so that's how it will be easier. And uh, with the background, uh, uh, with the support for uh, views in Compose, you can use that. So you can gradually move to Compose. Uh, you don't have to rewrite your entire app. So yeah, that's the migration session I have. And actually, we are following that in our organization. So, so Rivu, uh, on the same screen, can I mix and match Compose, uh, Composables and traditional views, or I have to have uh, one of them like i cannot do yeah that. basically uh, on, in the activity or in the fragment you have one of them but as, as i said uh, you can mix and match so uh, you can uh, from a composable you can create a custom view with annotation and you can use that as uh, in uh, your xml in some screen right so okay. uh, you can mix and match but uh, on on the from the top it will look like you are uh, using either uh, xml or you are using compose but uh, within that, 
you can actually mix and match and uh, also like you mentioned ki how to migrate follow a screen by screen approach if you are building on an enterprise level app do you think uh, using compose or migrating to compose is worth the pain and sweat of those developers uh, or is it like if you already have an app that is mature enough and is working well uh, you don't need to migrate to compose i think that's a decision making for leaders right do we even yeah, want to do that, this that's uh, that's actually a decision making you you need to do uh, based on like uh, your uh, requirements your focus and your future plans basically Uh, so uh, i would say like if if you have a uh, fairly stable app uh, don't migrate to compose right now you can actually start implementing compose for newer screens that comes in that actually a better uh, way to do it uh, and especially if you have big apps right because migration can takes years and years so it's actually better uh, just to write the newer screens in compose and uh, let the migration follow slowly uh, like think about migration uh, after uh, you have done some screens on compose and uh, you are a bit confident on it on uh, its fits and falls and all those things uh, so you can actually take a uh, educated decision uh, that hey uh, these are the advantages of compose these are the disadvantages of compose after you have worked on few screens you know the advantages and disadvantages especially for your team uh, so you can take that decision and uh, if you decide to migrate then uh, the plan i said would work uh, otherwise uh, you can actually start on from newer screens rather than migration migrating older screens and i would uh, say start from some screen that is uh, fairly simpler to implement uh, not some complex screens with a uh, lot of things going on so you you actually have time to learn things because in compose a uh, lot of things are new you need a uh, to learn a uh, great new things so yeah makes sense and and, and a subtle question there is ki compose hasn't hit stable yet it, it, it is still in beta uh should keep people keep that in mind are there some absolute limitation uh, uh to compose that one should be wary of uh so uh, i i am following compose for a long time since the pre alpha as i said and i would say they are pretty much stable now uh in my opinion so you you can uh, start investing in compose but i i would not suggest going for a user heavy app so probably if you if you have some app that has less users right if you have uh, in, uh, in your organization if you have some app that has less users you can uh, start investing in compose from that app and uh, gradually when it uh, runs uh, when it hits production you can actually uh, use that uh, otherwise uh, like for uh, if if you have uh, millions of users in your app i would say wait a little bit because uh, it's not uh, the apis are changing right so uh, it, it might uh, become difficult in your production cycle to update to come back to that screen and update something going forward right so uh, if you have millions of users in your app uh, wait a little bit and uh, once it hits production you can use it and if you have some app that uh, again uh, uh, that focuses on less number of users uh, compared to your main app uh, you can start investing in compose in that app uh so thanks ribu uh, this was a very informative session uh, we both 
me and Vivek have learned hell lot of about Jetpack Compose. Our listeners might have learned about what is Jetpack Compose in a nutshell, how its rendering works, uh, how uh, it is very different from having a tree to having a table, how the small deltas are reflected on that table compared to how it is interoperable with uh, the custom views, uh, how we can test them, or how to write about uh, animations and transition. You, you even went through what are, what, what are the best practices and how to be wary of uh, to use the state well. And even uh, at the last we covered how to plan a migration to Jetpack Compose in a real enterprise app. Uh, so this was a very informative session, I guess. Uh, Vivek, do you have any other questions for Rivu? No, I think Rivu, uh, you know, took care of everything I had in mind. Uh, so it was an absolute pleasure to have you, Rivu, on, Jet, uh, on our annual day podcast. We hope to see you many times in future also. Uh, thanks for your time. Cheers. Thanks again. Cheers. Cheers.